and of the end of the age, beloved people. And among the answers that Jesus gave, I'm now turning to verse 37 and 38 of the same Matthew 24, verses 37 and verse, we can begin 36 and verse 38. He says, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Verse 37, Matthew 24. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Verse 39. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So, beloved people, this is a very important reference scripture that we have today. This is our reference scripture today. That the Messiah, the Christ, when he spoke to the church, and the disciples began to understand that the Messiah was talking about the return of the Messiah, that Jesus was talking about the return of the Lord Christ. Once they realized, then they began to ask him, they said, Lord, can you please tell us, help us, and tell us what will be the sign of your coming? And in answering them, he gave such an extended answer. He gave so many things that I have prophesied from Matthew 24. It goes all the way down to verse 4. He talks about the wars, the famines, and everything, the release of the four apocalyptic horsemen. And within that extended answer, then you now run into Matthew 24, verses 36, all the way to 39, when he says, one of the main signs for my coming will be that just as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at my coming, beloved people. And that's why I thought this Friday we should look at the days of Noah. What was the message the Messiah was passing to the church when he said we should watch out that in the days when he returns, in the days when the Messiah comes back, when the Lord Christ comes back, those days would be similar to the days of Noah. In other words, the days of Noah would be repeating, will be repeating at that time. And that's why today, the head of my title, the headline here, my title is 
the days of Noah, beloved people. So now, um, in this conversation today, the days of Noah, I am going to divide the conversation, beloved people, into respective segments to be able to achieve certain very important landmarks and milestones. Uh, I would like to bring to your attention what exactly the days of Noah look like. And even much more important will be a second segment of this conversation today, in which I will endeavor to bring to you the character of Noah, the person, the person of Noah. Because you see it clearly here that when the Lord was conversationing with the church, when the Lord was instructing the church to be very watchful, to prepare for his coming, when the Lord was talking about the days we live in now, when we really, really expect the Messiah to come into the scene and take the church, that the days of Noah would repeat. But then you see the inside message over there, that the Lord is instructing the church to be like Noah to bear the character of Noah, because Noah was saved. When the rest of the world was destroyed, Noah was saved. And so I would like to begin right away by reading our blessed scripture here, the book of Genesis chapter 1. Let us look at then the days of Noah. If the Lord says that before he comes, at the time when the Son of Man returns, the days we live in will be like the days of Noah. Then let us see what the days of Noah look like, beloved people. And then we'll be able to compare with the days we live in as a church. And if we are able to mirror the two, then we are then able to take the message home, the instruction of the Lord. Then be like Noah, that you may be saved on that day. So I am reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 6, verses 1 to verse 9, beloved people. And I have four versions here. I have King James. I have Amplified Bible. I have the New American Standard. And also NIV. I'm going to focus on NIV, but the rest can also be read eventually at our convenience. Now, precious people, Genesis, chapter 6, verses 1 to 9, he says, when men began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. That is right away a dysfunction right there you can see for yourself. Verse 3 says, Then the Lord says, my spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be a hundred and twenty years. Verse 4 is now talking about the sons of God, the, the angels that came. Says, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterwards. When the sons of God went to the daughters of men and they had children by them, 
they were the heroes of old, men of renown, beloved people. So you can almost begin to see the point of controversy with the Lord. Verse 5, he says, The Lord saw how great men's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And the other version says, evil continually all the time. The other version, for example, New American Standard says, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It was a continuous evil. And then the Lord goes on to say now, again, all the time, continually evil. Verse 6, it says, The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain, sorrow, beloved. Verse 7, So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth. Men and animals, creatures that move along the ground, crawl on the ground, and the birds of the air. For I am grieved that I have met them. So, beloved people, as we continue on our reference scripture, our reference scripture is Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, 39, and that is tied up with Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. But reading from Genesis 6, 1 to verse 7, you see right away a state of controversy, a state of contradiction and conflict between man that the Lord Jehovah has created. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, how he created man, verse 26 on, and he gave them breath. He put his breath in the life he created. And now you see that as time moves on, now the Lord sees a tremendous epidemic an unbelievable global epidemic of wickedness and sin consumed the earth. And then the Lord says he was sorry that he had created man. He felt sad and very grieved that man on the earth, that he had created man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said he would wipe them out. But I just want us to understand this, beloved people, that the Lord Jehovah is not saying that he made a mistake to create man. Remember, the Lord never, ever makes mistakes. The Lord was only sorry that his intention for man, the intention for creating man, was now eroded by the wickedness of man. And I'll explain to you that very powerfully in the next segment, beloved people. And he goes on verse 8. Now he has already decided, verse 7, he's going to wipe mankind out of the face of the earth. 
Then look at what happens to verse 8, beloved people. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9, he says, this is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, a righteous man, blameless among the people of his generation, in other words, and he walked with God. That is very powerful, beloved people, because he begins verse 8 by saying that even though the Lord had decided that now he was going to wipe out men from the face of the earth, he was going to clean up to do a holocaust. He was going to a genocide, to wipe out the entire earth. And the Bible tells us that the earth was as full as it is today, totally overpopulated. Now he says, verse 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And I will spend a significant portion of this very powerful study today, this Bible teaching tonight. I'll spend some reasonable portion to dwell on why. How did Noah, within the backdrop, the background of that wickedness and the wrath of God, how did Noah earn unto himself the favor of the Lord? beloved people. That is going to be very critical because as you will see very briefly, when I begin to tally the days of Noah and the days we live in now, then you will begin to understand the days of Noah have been reincarnated. The days of Noah have come back. They have resurfaced. They have rematerialized. They have come. The history is, history is repeating itself. And then you will understand that this is the hour that the church too should learn the ways of Noah. How Noah did win the favor of God in the midst of such a tremendous and horrendous wickedness, beloved people. So this is the account of Noah. He was a righteous man, blameless man, meaning there is no fault, no guilt. You cannot stand up and point a finger at him among the people of his generation. And he walked with God, meaning Noah is of the same pedigree as Enoch. Because Enoch, too, in Genesis chapter 5, verses 21, all the way to 24, you find that Enoch walked with God. And here, too, we are being told that Noah walked with God. And then, of course, if you read 10, he says, Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So, beloved people, this is our reference scripture. So what was the instruction of the Messiah when the Messiah spoke to the church? And he said, that watch out. The sign, one of the main signs that will show you that will point to you that I am coming back, that the time for my return for the church has arrived, 
will be when you see the repeat of the days of Noah. And before I move on, I want to repeat that. If you look at Matthew 24, that we just read, beloved people, verse 3. Matthew 24, verse 3, I now repeat it. Let me read from, from King James. And he sat, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, what shall be, what shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And then, now in verse, when you read now verse, verse 37 on, maybe 36 if you so will, he answers them from this segment, says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man. So that is now uh, King James. And then on this other side, NIV says, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son of God, the Son of Man, but only God the Father, beloved people. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And then he goes on to describe the marrying, the drinking, the giving into marriage, giving into marriage, and all these things that happen there. And yet when we look at everything now described by the Lord in Genesis 6, 1 to 9, we now see some little semblance, little understanding on the resemblance that the Lord raised before the church between the days of Noah and the days before the Messiah returned. So I would like to begin this journey, beloved people, by looking at some very interesting chronology that will lead us into a very major finding on the days of Noah and how ought the church to emulate the character of the person of Noah. Because it says, and Noah received favor from the Lord. And when you look at the favor he received, he says down there, he was a righteous man, a blameless man of his generation, all the generations. And then he did not face the judgment of God, and Noah was saved. So how can the church inherit that kind of powerfully beautiful favor from the Lord? Now, beloved people, right from chronology, first things first, we see that when the Lord created Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve rejected God's instruction. So that should really be our beginning. That in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, Adam and Eve, you see the fall of man. The whole of Genesis chapter 3 is the fall of man. But Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 is very powerful. Because it brings home how Adam and Eve, after being created by the Lord, they rejected the instruction of God. He says, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. 
when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, meaning lasting of the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. You see now the disobedience unto the Lord. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her there. And he ate it. And then, of course, after that, after Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, then you really see now the consequence of sin. The consequence of sin begins to bear down on them in a tremendous historic manner, beloved people. And that's why today, this is a beautiful place to begin from. Why would this happen to humanity? Are there any doubts that we can connect right from creation? Because I am seeing the God Jehovah who created all living beings and put his breath, his life into man and all living beings. He, he gave them life. Then now, at the time of Noah, he turns around and says, I'm going to wipe out all living beings from the face of the earth. Then that really interested me in wanting to know, then let us go to the beginning. What was the intent of creation there? And where did the rain start beating us from? Where did things go wrong? So you see, in his own nature and blueprint and plan of creation of the church, the Lord created Adam and Eve. And then right from the onset, the enemy lies to them. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, we see now for the first time, man disobeys God's instruction. Man disobeys the Lord. Adam and Eve disobey. They reject. They essentially reject the instruction of the Lord. And then, beloved people, as you move on, I'm trying to bring you to the days of Noah chronologically. This is treasure. This is a knowledge, a treasure of knowledge, beloved people. So now, after the fall of Adam, I will jump a little bit and come to another landmark. What then happened after the fall of Adam and Eve? You see that when there is disobedience with Adam and Eve, the rejection of the instruction of God by Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man, and we are prayed chapter 3, verse 6. Then something amazing happened in Genesis chapter 4, verse 4. There is a righteous, holy sacrifice that is given unto the Lord, which is amazing to me, beloved people. Genesis chapter 4, verse 4. Turn with me there. Turn with me to Genesis 4, verse 4. It says the following. But Abel brought that portion from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor, the same word favor again, beloved people, on Abel and his offering. Again, I am reading this, beloved people. Let me read King James here. 
He says, and Adam, he also brought of the first, the firstlings, meaning firstborn by King James, of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Adam and to his offering. So he's saying in King James, he's telling us that when Abel appeared with his brother Cain, when they appeared before the Lord, and you know very well that at that time, the ark of the covenant was still in the garden. The Lord was still in the garden here. The throne of God, the glory of God, the two cherubim of glory were still on the earth here. He had not lifted them up into his throne. Remember, after the fall of man, he put two cherubim of glory with flaming sword to guard the way that leads to the tree of life. And last time when I spoke with you, I made you understand that where the tree of life, that is, where the tree of life is, that is where God the Father himself is. That's why you see the two cherubim of glory guarding that way that you see in Genesis chapter 3, verses 23, 24. We are not reading it today. We read it the other day. But that is just so powerful treasure of knowledge right there. Because you see that after man falls, then he blocks that way. Because Adam and Eve had fallen out of favor with the Lord. So now he blocked that way. But always it would be interesting to understand or to ask, how long then, for how long then did the Lord's throne continue to remain in the garden after the fall of Adam and Eve, before he lifted it up? He lifted the ark of God to the throne room of God. So this is yet another moment here. Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. You see very clearly here, beloved people, but Abel brought fat portion from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. So that is very powerful, beloved people. He's saying essentially that the Lord was still here. And so they were bringing sacrifice, Abel and Cain, Cain and Abel. And when they brought sacrifice, the Lord rejected the offering that the sacrifice that Cain brought. And when Abel brought the firstborn, the firstborn of his flock, the Lord received it and he looked upon him with favor. That is very powerful, beloved people, as we begin this tremendous journey on understanding the days of Noah. Because now you understand that when Adam and Eve fell, and they fell out of favor with the Lord, and King James says respect, the Lord lost respect for them. Some other version equated to honor, respect is honor. Then now you see, for the first time in Genesis 4 verse 4, that the Lord restored favor with man, and that is Abel. And that's amazing because you see that in that sacrifice, there are a few things we can learn from there on our way to Noah. He says, 
very careful sacrifice. Abel presented his sacrifice very thoughtfully. Number one, with great care, carefully. Number two, very thoughtfully, meaning being considerate of the Lord. And that is a big lesson for this generation and this church. That's why I brought it up to you. Careful sacrifice. Thoughtful sacrifice. Thoughtfully. He brought choice sacrifice. His sacrifice was a choice sacrifice, not just any sacrifice. And these are powerful lessons to the present day church. What is it that you can do today to win you favor with God within a depraved and a perverse generation will think Abel has some answer here. Very carefully when prepared sacrifice. Thoughtfully prepared sacrifice. He brought choice sacrifice. A choice sacrifice. Not just any. A choice meaning being very considerate of the Lord. A generous sacrifice meaning he, he left nothing unto himself. He, for, for the Lord, he reserved nothing. He gave it all unto the Lord. And that is very consistent, beloved people, with the requirements we see in the book of Leviticus chapter 3, verse 6, beloved people. Leviticus chapter 3, verse 6. And today is going to be a very powerful scholarship on this word, a powerful biblical expedition, beloved people. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, this is the Lord commanding Israel, which is very consistent so that you can see the favor he was, he was desiring that Israel, he was desirous that if they offer sacrifice unto him, they get favor like Abel had. You see? Now you see Genesis, I mean Leviticus chapter 3 verse 6, he says, if he offers an animal from the flock as a fellowship offering, Unto the Lord, he is to offer a male or female without defect. And you see that this is essentially what Abel put into consideration. And then for the first time, after the fall of Adam and Eve, now there is man that receives favor from the Lord. Just as we will see, we are now moving to Noah. Noah received favor from the Lord, beloved people. So when we move slowly now into the days of Noah, let us now re-examine again very briefly the days of Noah to advance our conversation that the present-day church, that the present-day believer may understand the instruction of Jesus the instruction of the Lord Jesus that he dispensed, that he administered unto the church. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 all the way to 39, when he says, watch out, if you see the days repeating, if you see the days of Noah come, like it was during the time of Noah, and you know that I am coming, and make sure you are the character of the parcel of Noah, 
You've been the elect of God, the remnant of God. Hallelujah. And so let us now go back to Genesis chapter 6, beloved people, and read only one verse to advance our conversation on the days of Noah. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. What is this about Noah that the church is supposed to make an importation to learn a lesson from that she may see the eternity of heaven with God, the kingdom of glory? Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, he says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. In other words, continually. So this opens a beautiful chapter for us, beloved people, because that essentially describes the wickedness and the evil and the perverseness of the days of Noah that we can use now to be able to gauge the days we live in. They are really the days of Noah, repeating now. And you see very clearly that today, as we are going to see briefly, every inclination of mankind right now is really, really, really wicked, beloved people. Now, when you take it a step further to verse 8, Genesis 6, verse 8, then you see now the lesson to the church. He says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord Jehovah. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord Jehovah. Now, Luke chapter 17, let me advance this before I explain to you, beloved people. Luke chapter 17, verses 26 to 27 are going to be central. Those verses are central in unveiling, in opening up the days of Noah to the present-day church, that you may prepare for the glorious coming of the Messiah. And remember, I have seen the coming of the Messiah. Genesis 17, beloved people, verses 26. Again, Genesis 17. 26 to 27. Only two verses here. He says, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage after the day Noah entered the earth. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. This is a tremendous thing that the Lord is speaking to the church right now. He's mentioning some very important things to the church. One of the first important things that come right away on your face from reading that scripture is saying that in the days of Noah, there was complacency. Total complacency. People were simply living their lives like that. 
they were not thinking about any consequence of their lifestyle. They were living life normally. It was a normal day. People woke up normally. Nobody expected judgment to be formed. And then there you go. The Lord surprised them. Even much more importantly, beloved people, he's saying that once the prophecy was dispensed, once the prophecy, once the prophecy was released by the Lord, pronounced by Jehovah, that a day is coming, a day of accountability, a day when the Lord would have to judge sin. He's saying, however long it took, that day indeed did materialize. In other words, that prophecy did come to pass. So he's speaking to this generation right on your face before he begins to give you the message. He's saying, be careful now. The first message you get from the days of Noah is that whenever the Lord warns in his prophecy, whenever the Lord gives the prophecy, that prophecy must always be fulfilled, beloved people. And so, let us speak that very clearly unto these days. He says, Adam and Eve reject the instruction and the command of God. After that, we see very clearly that the human population of the earth explodes we are told the earth was as full as she is today. The human population becomes so full on the face of the earth. But that population explosion, it's amazing, is accompanied by an explosion of wickedness. When the population of men increased and exploded on the earth. Then there was a tremendous explosion of sin on the earth. And then, when that explosion of population and wickedness occurred concurrently, then what happened to humanity? He says, they became very corrupt. Again, I read verse 9, very powerful, beloved people. Just refresh your memory. Verse 9, it says, This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his generation. He walked with God. And then he mentions his children. Now, verse 11 is key. He says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. So you begin now to understand some of the characteristics of the days of Noah that you can begin to use to estimate, to gauge the days we live in today. He's saying, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, corruption, full of violence, bloodshed. God saw how corrupt the earth become. And for all the people that corrupted their way, you can see what happens today. Same exact. 
So God said to Noah, I am going to put to an end, put an end to all the people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. So, again, you see that Adam and Eve reject God. But Genesis 4, verse 4, Abel received the favor that was lost. But when you move then to the population explosion that comes in in the days of Noah, then you see there is an explosion of sin and the favor of God departs. They become a heedless generation. They become a generation that is petty, a generation that is, is, uh, is heathen. Heathenism was big. And it came with such tremendous sin. And now the human being became very corrupt, number one. Any evil, number two. Wickedness increased, number three. Very hostile, violent. Because it says bloodshed came upon the face of the earth. But why? What underlying idea about all this? To create man, put his breath in man, then he's in a situation where he feels sorry that he has created man. He has created the church. And he says, I will now wipe them out of the face of the earth. Beloved people, look at this now. If you read the Bible, you will always see the nature of God embedded in the holy biblical scriptures of God. And one of his ways, one of his natures that really reveal him to us is the way our God, he created mankind and gave mankind freedom to choose between right and evil, right and wrong, good and evil. That is amazing, beloved people. And when you read the book of Proverbs, Chapter 1. Turn with me, beloved, to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 29 to 31. Then you understand the blueprint of God's creation, the design with which he created man. He created man and gave them freedom to choose between right and wrong, to choose between good and evil. That is amazing, beloved. Proverbs chapter 1, beloved people. Verses 20, chapter 1, 29 to 31. This is what he says here. He says, Since they hated knowledge, you can read from verse 20, all the way from verse 20, same thing. But because of time, 29, 31, since they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of God and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and turn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and will be filled with the fruit of their skin. So, precious people, you now see very clearly that when God created mankind, 
He surely gave them the willpower, the free will, to choose the freedom, to choose between right and wrong. That is the tremendous responsibility he laid upon men. It is up to you, the church, to choose between holy and wickedness, to choose between right and wrong, to choose between good and evil. How amazing. And then what else do you see that comes out very clearly, beloved people? In the process of the Lord, of the Lord giving free will to the people in the days of Noah, then at one point he holds them responsible. Let us read on from verse 12 again, Genesis chapter 6, beloved people. Tremendous scripture. We start from verse 3. Genesis 6, verse 3, we can read on. Tremendous design of the creation of the church, that he created the church, Adam and Eve, and he gave them the freedom to choose, or choose the righteousness of God, to choose disobedience, or to choose obedience to the Lord. And there is, he holds them to account. How shocking, precious people. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. He says here, the Lord says, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be a hundred and twenty years. Let me read King James also. He says here very clearly, And the Lord says, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. If you look at Amplified, verse 3 says, Then the Lord says, My spirit shall not forever dwell and strive with man, for he also is flesh, but his days shall yet be a hundred and twenty years. What is the point the Lord is trying to make here, beloved people? The Lord is saying that while he gives you free will, while he created the church with free will, and we are looking at the days of Noah, beloved people, which are the days we live in today, he says he created them in the days of Noah too, from Adam all the way, and he gave them the freedom, the freedom to choose between right and wrong, between holy and evil, between good and wicked. And when he says that, when he gives them that freedom, then he holds them to account. Then now you see in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3 that we have just read, that in as much as he freedom. Then when he saw that they had chosen wickedness, then the Lord now comes and places a cup. He places a ceiling unto the church. And he says, that matter now, God's long-suffering, my long-suffering for mankind, as I wait for you to return, the long-suffering of God as he waits for mankind to repent 
And this is very powerful because it has a direct bearing on the church at this hour as we speak. You will also see that there is a long suffering of the Lord as he's waiting for the church to repent. You see that the Lord now, in the days of Noah, he places a limitation to the amount of sin and wickedness they can do since they have chosen unto themselves to do evil, to be wicked, to do violence, to be disobedient to the rock, Jehovah, their creator. So he says, in an amazing way, verse 3, again I repeat here, he says, then the Lord says, my spirit will not contain with mankind forever, for he is mortal. His days will be a hundred and twenty years. And then now, you begin to understand that he's saying, because you have chosen evil, because I gave you the free will to choose me, or to choose the enemy, to choose my worship, or to choose idol worship, to choose obedience to me, or to choose disobedience, to choose righteousness, to choose wickedness. And because you have chosen wickedness, and because you have chosen sin, now I put an end, a cap. It says, the long suffering of the Lord, the endurance of the Lord, as you commit sin, now is limited. And he's saying, God's long suffering for him to wait for mankind to repent now becomes 120 years. How awesome, beloved people. 120 years, he's waiting for you to repent. In other words, he cannot wait forever. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3 is critical to the present-day church. The 120 years became God's grace for the people in the time of Noah, in the days of Noah. This now is the manifestation of the grace of God that he gave a disobedient and evil and sinful generation in the days of Noah. Doesn't that seem similar to you? Doesn't that look familiar to you? Doesn't it look like history is repeating itself in this generation, beloved people? How powerful. How awesome. He's saying, look at this now. I want to expand on this long endurance, long suffering of the Lord, as he waited for the people during the days of Noah, the people of Noah's generation, to bring forth a genuine repentance before him. As he waited, look at what happened. Noah preached a warning for the 120 years. That means they were warned. They were warned. God period of grace, the period of God's grace, that period, it is normally a time characterized by God warning the generation to repent. So you can see 
that Noah preached a warning to that generation for 120 years during the long suffering of God, during God's grace, the period of God's enduring grace. That means Noah warned his generation for 120 years, be careful now, repent now, turn away from sin, choose holiness, change your ways, because the day is coming when God will judge. A day is coming when the Lord will hold the whole earth to account on this matter of sin. Does that seem familiar to you, beloved? So therefore, Noah preached repentance to his generation for 120 years. And today, too, we know of one that is preaching repentance and warning the whole earth of the day that is coming. Noah preached righteousness for 120 years, beloved people. He preached repentance, warning them to repent for 120 and 20 years, beloved people, warning the people of his time, warning the people of his generation, repent, 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 and return to righteousness. Return to the Lord your God. A day is coming when he will judge you. And Noah preached Righteousness, beloved people. The Bible in the book of Second Peter, Second Peter chapter two, turn with me there. Second Peter chapter two, verse five. From verse four he says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned. You remember during the time of Noah, the Nephilim, the angels that came and then they married off the daughters of men, and they are such an abomination, the Lord judged. One of the reasons he judged. Again, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5 is our target. Noah preached righteousness to his generation for 120 years. One of the characteristics of God's grace time. For if God did not spare Angels, when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeon to be held for judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world when he wrote the blood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, meaning the members of his family. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and others 
by burning them to ashes and make them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed, tormented by the filthy lives of the lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds, the orgies he saw and heard. And he goes on and on saying that the Lord will judge us of this generation. So you can see, beloved people, the 120 years, the dispensation of the grace, God's grace to the generation of Noah, the grace period during which God's long-suffering is sustained before he closes the door. How awesome. And you see a beautiful parallel that should really raise the red flag to this church. You see, beloved, First Peter chapter 3, verses 5 to 7 also. And he says this, but they deliberately forget that long ago, God's word, by God's word, the heavens existed, and the earth was formed out of water, and by water, verse 6, by these waters also the world of that time was deluged, destroyed, inundated, in other words, and destroyed. Verse 7, by the same word, the present heaven and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. How powerful, beloved people, is saying that the judgment that took place upon the earth is an example is supposed to serve as a stern warning, a serious example to this generation, that God's prophecies must always be fulfilled. That Noah was only saved because he believed God's prophecy. That this generation too, and to them, God's prophecy on the coming of the Messiah has been given. And that to them too, a special come when that prophecy will fulfill, will come to pass. And that at Noah's time, in the days of Noah, the grace that was given was not limitless, was not unlimited, but it was limited. It had limit, beloved people. And that 120 years, 120 years of self-growth as the cup, the ceiling for when that grace time would expire. Today's grace period also takes place. It is on. Today the Lord God Almighty has also given men the grace period. He has given the church. He has given mankind. He has given humanity the grace time, the grace period. And during this time, the entire earth enjoys the grace period. And during this time, the Lord, he is awaiting with long suffering for the repentance of mankind, beloved people. How powerful for the days of Noah and the lessons we ought to learn from the days of Noah. Luke 
chapter 17 we just read, like it was during the days of Noah. So it is today. What do you find today, beloved people, as you look at the church? Today this is what you see. Like it was during the days of Noah, people are just living their life normally. They are simply living their life without care. Every day wakes up, the sun rises, they go through the day, and then wait another day. They are living just as it was during the days of Noah. When people live as though there was no consequence to their choice of lifestyle. Today also what you find, according to Luke chapter 17, 26 to 27 that I read, people today also are very, very oblivious of the impending judgment of God that is coming. They simply do not care, do not know, do not want to know. They are simply living without care, do not know, do not want to know, beloved people. They are oblivious of the impending judgment of God. Number one, I say, they are living their life simply normally. Just normal living, like no consequence. Number two, they are very oblivious of the impending judgment of God that is looming, that is coming soon. Number three, they are living their life as a depraved generation. Means A, they are conducting their sinful life without any regard or consideration of the Lord. I repeat this. Which means, like it was during the days of Noah, they are simply conducting their sinful life without any due consideration at all. Without any regard for God's judgment. Why? Because they are a great generation, as you can see. Now I am beginning to parallel for you the church, the days of Noah, and the days we live in. Today, like the days of Noah, people are hard-hearted. In the days of Noah, Noah preached repentance for 120 years. Noah warned that generation of the impending upcoming judgment for 120 years. Noah preached the need to return to righteousness to that generation for 120 years, and nobody of them was converted. Why? Because they were hard-hearted. But this generation, too, you see that they are very hard-hearted. And remember that all this is just introduction, beloved people, after which I'm going to come now to the person, the character, the characteristics, the identity of the person of Noah, which identity and him favor before the Lord during those perverse wicked days. And that is the import, that is the message, that is the instruction Jesus gave the present-day church when he brought in, brought back, when he referenced the days of Noah, like it was during the days of Noah. So shall it be 
at the coming of the Messiah. So this is just an introduction, beloved people. Then the real message will now be, then what character did Noah have that earned him favor? And hence, therefore, what character amends? What character reformation should the present-day church undertake to gain the favor of God like that whether he destroyed the entire earth, the church be saved. Again, as I continue with these days, people in the days of Noah, their ears were dull to repentance, to the warning of God, and righteousness. But today, too, you see people's ears are dull. In the days of Noah, people could not even listen to God's word. Today, too, people do not listen to God's warning. In the days of Noah, no one repented of their sins. Today, too, you see that nobody repents of their sins. Beloved people, I want to turn, still looking at the days we live in, these are really the days of Noah. I want to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 15, verse 19. Matthew 15, verse 19, to underscore what the Lord meant about the days of Noah coming to us before the return of the Christ. And one of the signs that the Messiah is coming. Matthew, chapter 15, verse 19, beloved people. He says the following. Again, Matthew 15, verse 19. I get it, I read it. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, number one. Murder, number two. Adultery, number three. Sexual immorality, number four. Theft, number five. False testimony, Number six, Yanda, he goes on, and he says, verse 20, these are what make a man unclean. And then he has a narrative with the, with the Pharisees. How awesome, beloved people. The days of Noah are repeating here. Every inclination of the thoughts of their heart was evil content. Inwardly, the days of Noah. But now you can see in the book of Matthew that for the manifestation of the level of wickedness that we are witnessing now on the face of the earth, across the globe, across the nation, across the earth, then surely every inclination of the thoughts of men at this hour must be evil continually. Therefore, the days of Noah are repeating. Today you see the following, beloved people. There is murder. Number one, murder all over all the TV stations to watch reportages of news, news clips on murder, murder, newspapers, radio, the, the broadcasting has happened. Someone has been murdered. Murder, murder, murder all the time. Number two, evil thoughts. It's all over. It's an epidemic. It's a global pandemic. Number four, 
adultery. Adultery is normal. Very normal today. People take someone's wife, someone's wife takes another husband, or without someone's wife take another young man or a man, someone, a married man take a girl, a woman, whatever. Unmarried woman, they, adultery is normal. Number four, fornication sometimes. Number five, lies and falsehood are the order of the day. Lies and falsehood. Number six, the whole earth is covered by sexual immorality. Number seven, the whole earth is covered by homosexuality. Number nine or eight, whichever, the whole earth is covered by corruption until your global agencies like Transparency International, whatever their names are, World Bank, IMF, they have developed a global corruption index. Hey, that is just how much the days of Noah are repeating today and globally, beloved people. Whichever number you are, there is kidnapping today. LGBT parades and pride. There is terrorism across the globe and bloodshed. There is bloodshed from abortion. Abortions alone account for 44 million murders every year. Every year on the earth, 44 million murders take place due to abortion alone. Prostitution is global. Immorality is on TV, on internet, on your cell phone, in the magazine. It is global. Homosexuality is global. Idolatry is global. Second Peter chapter three, beloved people. Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three, beloved people. Verses three to four. He says. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Today, people are scoffers globally. You talk to them about righteousness, the holy dressing of women, holy dressing of men, they scoff at you. They will wear sagging trousers. They will expose their chests for ladies. Expose their legs, expose their bodies. They will just go at you and continue heedlessly. Luke chapter 18, verse 8. Luke chapter 18, verse 8, beloved people. The days of Noah we live in. Luke chapter 18, verse 8, beloved people. This is what he says here. Luke 18, verse 8. He says, a certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And he goes on down there, beloved people. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandment. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. 
do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was born, he says. Jesus had this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asking, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with the Lord. And it goes on and on, beloved people. Very powerful description of this generation. Matthew 25, Matthew 25, verse 31, all the way to 33. He says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in the heavens. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. He sheep to the right, and the goat to the left. And then he goes on and on again. This generation, that which will make this generation not be the kingdom of God. <laughs> 